Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We're doing the second third of The Vagrant today. I'm going to I'm going to do a couple a little a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping for a second. Is what we is what we in the the podcasting world call these. Um, if you if you didn't hear in the last episode or haven't heard us talking about it, we did start a subreddit called uh, just our don't call it a book club. Check that out. Uh, we make posts once a week when we drop an episode, looking for comments, things to bring up on the show. We've got. Uh, a comment that I think we're going to talk about a little bit today. So if you have something that you want us to talk about, have something that you think is interesting, join the subreddit, give us a comment on there. If you want to talk um, about like an old episode or some theory that we've talked about in the past that was a, a ways a ways in the past, uh, feel free to comment there. I think there's a, there's a post up right now uh, looking for discussion about old theories too. So, you know meet up with some other some other book well i guess they're not book clubbers what are what are they called luke i don't we'll need to we'll need to find an, a name for that um yeah but also and and open to we're open to suggestions for future books there's a couple posts on there about um people suggesting future books for us to do that we that we are interested in so uh just just join join up and uh let us know what you think and then, okay, let me, that's, that's the only, that's the only housekeeping thing I've got, but today's a big day, Dan. Oh, all right. We've got our first listener submitted rant. Whoa. Okay. It is a big listener day. submitted rant. Reminder, you can submit a rant to us. Maybe we'll do it. Give us, I've got on this one, I've got some details. Okay. It's, I've got, I've got notes. That I, that I need to cover. It's going to be good. Um, if you've got a rant that you want to send us, do the, do the same. Maybe we'll take your notes. This one, I'm, I am taking the notes. I'm agreeing with this rant. Uh, in the future, if someone sends us a rant, I will probably do it. But there's also a chance that we'll uh, go against you. So There's a chance it'll um, be me and Luke against you and your ridiculous rant. Just keep that in mind <laughs> if you send us something. <laughs> But okay, let me do this. Let me do this first. Listener submitted rant. A lot of pressure here. And let me start off with asking Dan: Do you know what the worst type of person is? Oof, this this sounds dangerous, Luke. I think we need to be very careful here. <laughs> Who sent you this rant, by the way? I'm not telling you. Okay. Let me paint you a picture. Okay. Okay. Your uh, your nose is getting a little itchy. Mm. You're feeling something coming, feeling something coming, feeling like you're about to uh, spasm uncontrollably. Uh, Some are calling it a sneeze. Okay, yes, yeah, sneeze. You might be you might be in public. Okay. You might be at your office. It might be quiet, and you know you're about to make you're about to make a crazy noise, right? Okay. Try not to cause a scene. All right. And you finally, you finally do said spasm. Okay, we're it's a sneeze. We're calling it a sneeze. Stop it's that. A, but okay, it's, I, I like the word spasm. Um, and you don't know like 
you don't know how long it's going to be until you do it again. Because it always comes in multiples, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah. You, you, just, you just destroyed the environment of your quiet office. And you're, you're, you're ready. You're ready for another one to come. Uh-huh. And someone across the room goes, bless you. Now, you have two options. You can com- be a complete asshole and ignore that person and sneeze again. Uh-huh. Or you can put forth a Herculean effort. Mm. Push down this next sneeze. Let those tears come out and go, thank you. And then just sneeze a couple more times. Okay. Why are we saying bless you? Okay, Luke. This Stop. No. No, Luke, because... I hate to say it, I'm saying bless you. That's me across oh, the room. God, that's for sure me because I do it in my office when somebody sneezes. And here's the thing: I was but, worried about this. But here's the thing: here's the thing, Luke. I'll say I'll say two things about this. The first, it's just a nice thing to do. Okay, it's just nice. Nobody wants to sneeze to a silent room and then have nobody care if they're okay. Okay, you got to make sure. You got to check in. Like, ooh, was that a was that a danger sneeze? Should we be concerned? Should you have stayed home today? Maybe. Ooh. Oh, no, it's just allergies? Okay. We're all good, then. Glad you're feeling fine. Okay? You gotta check in. Second thing, Luke, you're, the scenario you're describing is an amateur bless you. This is an amateur move. Ooh. The pro bless you move is to wait. Because somebody who's been doing this for a long time, like I have knows sneezes come in multiples and there could be a significant gap between the sneezes okay we could Mm -hmm. be talking upwards of 10 seconds before there's another sneeze maybe even 20 you know Mm -hmm. so you wait you hold off maybe count do a 30 count if you don't hear a sneeze in a 30 count bless you and then if you want it to be a little funny you could say hey bless you times four that was a that was a big one Okay. Okay. Yes. I think that that's, that that's fair. You, you maybe have better bless you etiquette than others, because I will say, I think the majority of the time I get a bless you after one sneeze Mm. and there's no, and there's no consideration for time between sneezes. It's like sneeze, bless you. Well, and I'll say this, it, it put the person, it puts the blesser, I'm going to call him the blesser. It puts the okay. blesser at, in an awkward place too, because somebody sneezes once, you say bless you. They sneeze again, do you keep saying bless you? Or have you already blessed right. them? Like, is it over? Like, no, you already got it. You just keep sneezing, I'm done. You know, like, that's that's a weird place to be in, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think... It's almost like we need a little community class that we have. Mm-hmm. So in my neighborhood, we get a we get a pamphlet once every six months or so that's about the community classes that are happening. Like, hey, learn how to cook Somali food or come take Chinese lessons or learn how to swing dance. I think we need one that's bless you etiquette. I think that's true. Because it seems like we may have lost our way a little bit here. Mm. Like, I can see I can see why this started. You know, we had, we had a little meeting we were like, Hey guys, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes we do a weird spasm and make a big noise. 
And, you know, it's not a big deal, but I feel like we need a way to acknowledge it. Mm. And so now, bless you, came out of that. But we've, we've, we've lost our way in that we forgot the original rules of waiting till the end. I see. I see. So you're thinking that on the first hieroglyphics of people saying bless you to each other, there is the etiquette of waiting until the end. But those have been lost to time and are only known by scientists and ancient archaeologists. And, I, I would assume so. And yeah. now we have like a corrupted version of of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's to bring it back to this book a little bit. It's tainted from the original meaning. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. I maybe people only used to sneeze once. Ooh. Ooh. Right, maybe, maybe maybe our our hardware just has evolved over time and our etiquette hasn't caught up. Because maybe Maybe it was like, ooh, here we go. Okay. I would argue that with our current level of 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 sneeze magnitude, mm-hmm. the bless you isn't quite as necessary. However, we now do two, maybe even three sneezes. My hypothesis is that we started with one enormous sneeze. And due to evolution over the years, we've minimized that down, cut down the risk of that of that one spasm mm. down into two, three smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Less risky, less needing of the bless you, but more needing of bless you etiquette. I think that's true. I'm also now wondering, do we need a different thing to say? Like, mm-hmm. bless you was for that big sneeze, you know, that big sneeze where you could, like, pull a muscle, and it was right, like, oh, like you the, need this. Where you're risking your life yeah. for that sneeze. But now it's it's kind of tame, you know? We need a different, we need a different thing to say. Maybe just like, hey, nice one. Dude, do we want to compliment it? I don't know if we want to compliment it. Okay, we're not, we don't have to compliment it, I guess. I think it'd be nice. Okay, it would be nice. Yeah, it should be something nice, right? It's a good opportunity. <laughs> we need more nice things, you know? <laughs> I don't see why it can't be nice. Maybe we just give them a yeehaw. Oh. Like, here's what you do. Here's what you do if somebody sneezes. So you wait until they're done sneezing, because of course you do. And then you say, whew, yeehaw. <laughs> it's light. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. I love it. We're going to yeehaw now. Okay. Everyone, we're yeehawing after wait for, what do you think? 20 seconds? I say 20, but you also have to do a look because you've got to see, are they building up for a last a Right, because you can tell if they're building up. Mm-hmm. I, say, I say after the first sneeze, you wait 20. Take a peek. After the second sneeze, you don't quite have to wait 20. Mm-mm. No. I think you cut that, cut that second one down to 10. Yeah, yeah. And and when sneezes are done, the yeehaws come out. The yeehaws coming out. Okay, we've solved it. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's talk about the vagrant. We're talking about the vagrant. Dan, what chapter did we read to? Ooh, I think we read to chapter 26, but not past it. Yes. So we're two-thirds of the way through the book. Anything before that is completely fair game. Luke... 
Does the usurper need some better employees? Um, Does the usurper need an employee loyalty program or something? Uh, yes. Because in this section, we get the hammer that walks just just leaving. The hammer that walks is like, oh, wait. Yeah, this sucks. Give me those shiny coins and I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and we get the Knights of Jade and Ash, who, to be fair, he's pretty loyal, the commander. Mm-hmm. But that's because, I will say, that's because the commander is the usurper. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, he's the commander is part of him. Exactly. Or her, or whatever. It's like the only, it seems to be the only thing keeping the commander following orders is the fact that a part of the usurper is in the commander. And even then, the commander's like, maybe the usurper isn't that good. Oh. Is this guy, this guy's terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the usurper has ruled with just fear, I guess, so far. Whereas, whereas the uncivil is doling out, doling out favors, which we'll get, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to but that. But staying on the usurper and using the hammer that walks as an example, I mean, I you got to ask, what is, what are we getting out of this? Yeah, you know, it it doesn't take much for a rival company to poach the hammer that walks like just a slight salary increase and the hammer that walks is walking okay and i don't think that there's well ooh actually i was going to say that there's not ramifications or consequences but oh we get some ramifications in this one Luke yeah which was, okay, yeah. But I, that wasn't, like, by the, well. All right, we, well, let's, okay, that's later on in the book, but I think we're at that point now. We Let's just talk about it. Okay. Do you, okay, first, we're talking about the point when the vagrant kills the hammer that walks. And it sounds yes. like the vagrant does it because he's concerned she's about to just destroy them. Now, my question about that is, what? What happens? Is it that she gets a fly that is giving her a message? Or is it that the commander of the Knights of Jade and Ash sends his essence like into her to do something? I think it's the second one. Okay. And I think it's more like he sends in this essence and it kind of converts her back into the like rage machine that that the that the usurper is looking for right bruce banner's been out a little too long they're trying to get some hulk action going on exactly because it seems like after this happens she's she's getting ready to lose control and just like destroy everything in the cave Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's i don't think it's like a fly message where the usurper's like, hey, if you murder your new friends, I'll give you three coins. I think it's more like we're doing some base instinct mm. manipulation here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the night commander being like, hey, I'm going to take away your dental coverage unless you do your job. <laughs> and the hammer that walks is like, oh, I need braces. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a perfect metaphor. 
It's tough. It's tough. This scene, since we're talking about it, the scene was brutal for me because we were very team hammer. I know. I hated this scene. Not from a like book perspective. Great scene. But also I hated this scene so much. Because mm-hmm. we all want the hammer that walks to have a nice, happy life after this, right? We, we really do. We really do. <sighs> and the fact that the vagrant has to kill her, too. It wasn't like she died in a glorious battle saving everybody. It was just... Well, I guess you could argue she was, like, resisting it. Yeah. The one tough thing that I will say about this scene is that the vagrant wakes up and sees it happening and kills her but harm does not right Mm -hmm. and the vagrant can't talk doesn't doesn't talk okay does not talk and harm is just like you uh you killed her dude (laughs) and i think the vagrant just makes some expression and his harm is like i get it (laughs) Yeah. I I'm I'm curious whether Harm like understands maybe not the details of what happened, but kind of in general. Because like he does see the little the like steaming corpse of the of the commander. Outside, so he's probably yeah. like, Okay, something went went on. Or is he like, Okay, the vagrant just murdered her, but he normally has a good sense of things, so I'm just gonna let it go. Honestly, I think part of it is that. I think in the same way that we're kind of interpreting what the goat and the baby are intending, Harm's doing that with the vagrant, where he's like, he wants to see something in the vagrant, so he does see mm-hmm. it in the vagrant. Right, like like the vagrant has built up a level of goodwill that Harm is willing to trust him on this. Mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah that yeah. or he's like "Ooh, this guy murdered the hammer that walks i really don't want to question him anymore <laughs> could be could well, be any of those in her okay, sleep I want too to... i sleep around this guy <laughs> it's risky uh i want to before we go further i want to bring up a comment that we got okay and we got a comment from toward an eq that addressed a couple things one of which was our question last episode about like what benefit this character gets that we saw in uh, Vertigree, I think is the city, mm-hmm. that has a head for a hand. And it was, a very, it was a very good suggestion in this comment. I don't know if I want to talk about it that much, but uh, we'll, we got to throw it out there as a pretty good answer. Um, a benefit for a head hand. Are we doing? We're not. We're not doing. We're not gonna do masturbation jokes on here. No, we're we're kind of above that. I think. We're 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 above that. But I do have but, to ask. Uh, I do have to ask Luke. Did he ask for that or was he given that? Ooh. Because like he got a head for a hand. Did he go to his employer? Did he go to the uncivil and say? Hey, I know you're doing augmentations. I'd love uh, this one. And he hands he hands them a ske- like a sketch on a napkin, and they're like, "Dude, I know what the I, I what seriously? 
Seriously. I got to think that's it. I got to think it's a request. Oh, man. What a way to start that kind of uh, employer-employee relationship. Yeah. Or do you think it was just like a bonus? They were like, all right, you did a great job on this last recruiting session. Anything you want, name it. It's yours. And he hands over this napkin with the sketch. And the uncivil is like, oh, I know I said anything. Oh, anything else would be great. <laughs> uh, I mean, all I know is that I'm pretty confident that the guy asked for it. <sighs> Which you hate to see. You hate to you, see it. I hate to see it so much. Let's let's please move on. Okay. This is terrible uh, and brilliant at the same time. <laughs> uh, in the same in the same comment, uh, we got an explanation that we actually see at the beginning of the section for how the taint works that we were that we were asking about last episode. Oh, I kind of missed a part of this. Can you give a, just a brief summary? So my read on it is that there's like, there's essence from this demon world uh -huh. that flows out. And I think sometimes it can find a host, but sometimes it doesn't. And so there's a lot of just like, I get like a, I feel like it was described as maybe a stream or something of essence mm -hmm. that is basically the taint that like is... I don't know, just this stuff from the demon world that is that is coming out of the rift and or the breach or whatever it's called. Yeah. And kinda kinda striking some people on the sides, getting in there, You're, doing its thing, but it's not like it's not like going in and possessing people because it's just kind of a side effect. This this river of essence that's So you're saying there's like a gas that's coming from the breach. That if you if you breathe in a little bit of it, then you get a little bit of the taint in you. Kind of. Okay. I mean, I don't think that's I don't think it's like a gas leak kind of thing, yeah. but I think that's a good metaphor yeah. for it. Well, mm, I think that's a good start, but we also get at the end of this section the counselor talking about how they don't want to let in any of the half tainted to the other circles because the risk of infection is too great. Which to me sounds That's, like you can also spread it person to person contact. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, so there's probably there's probably a couple ways. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can we move on a little bit from the from the how the taint works? Mm-hmm. The so the vibe. Let's talk about vibes right now. First, mm -hmm. third vibe. V very bad. Things are terrible in the first third of this book. Right, we're not looking good. Second, third vibe? I feel like pretty good, actually. Yeah. Like, the vibrations in this second, third, I've been kind of into. It's kind of like you're driving down the street. In the first third, you're hitting all the red lights. And then you just get to a point the second third where you see all the lights ahead of you turn green that's kind of what i feel like for mm, this section yes 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 definitely i feel like even more than the like hope that the second third has given us though i feel like just the events have been a little better so <laughs> obviously <laughs> the stuff with the hammer that walks ended badly but the intermediate stuff i thought was very good 
we made a yeah, lot of good lovely. progress with the hammer that walks. Uh, you know, harm seemed to help her a lot. They did good. They did good stuff. They, they did. They very, saved all those people well. from what was that place called? Slake. They saved a small fraction of all of those people. Yeah, that was nice. Um, and they they don't seem to have been running into the the issues that the first third like so the first third you know we go to this plantation everyone dies uh we get into this city and this little fight a lot of people die the second third it's like more opportunity almost Mm. rather than setback Mm -hmm. yeah it's like we sent you on this mission to go rescue this spy but there's also like hundreds and hundreds of people here who you could also rescue kind of and then you do it and it's not even like there's really serious consequences that happen you know what i mean like i thought they were gonna get caught and captured again nope they all just starve to death which (laughs) still bad i mean better is it better than the alternative though because like when i was thinking you know he's he gets these people out of their little containment cell and like a lot of them die some of them get away and normally in these kind of things it's like well was that a good move because you killed you you did something that resulted in a lot of them dying but like the alternative is they just stand there with a gross thing on their mouths and get their legs and arms chopped off so i mean rescuing them and some of them dying isn't necessarily a terrible outcome i'm gonna say net good i don't know if this is i don't know if this is controversial i'm gonna say that was the right way to go i i think like if i'm one of the people on those meat hooks with the like demon down my throat i'm gonna take my chances starving to death and running away then Mm -hmm. hoping they'll let me go from this after they take my arms and legs Right. If I'm one of these people, I'm on the meat hook, I get off, I'm running away, and then I collapse after like a day's work and I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. I, I feel like I'm still thankful to the vagrant. I think I'm like, well, at least thank God that he like tried, you know? I'm not like, damn, I wish he hadn't tried and I could still be on the meat hook. Damn, it's like 110 degrees out here. I am sweating up a storm. I really wish I could just go back in that nice cool fridge. <laughs> also, it's important to keep in mind 90% of these people are naked running around. Mm-hmm. Because they come mm-hmm. off the meat hooks without clothes and it's said that they don't they can't find clothes for everybody. They find like a very small amount of clothing for people they, they, they have like a few pieces of clothes that they hand out to like six children <laughs> right and so you have just like hundreds of people following the vagrant and like 90 percent are naked walking around this desolate wasteland sounds pretty bad but but you know there's a few in the crowd that are like finally my dream society they they have found utopia yeah they're like we should all just live like this always why are we wearing restrictive clothing (laughs) very well be could be some people that recently found out that they're nudists yes 
they get offered some that. clothes and are like, actually, I think no. This is, it's freeing. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of time to think while I was on that meat hook. I'm into this. Let it, let it <laughs> hang out. This is my thing now. Yeah. Um, opportunities all around is what we're learning. Right, right. And for that, you, for thank, the the, you thank the vagrant for that revelation, if nothing else. <laughs> totally on the vagrant. Let me go. I'm going to, I'm going to go to something kind of negative here mm. for a second. Mm-hmm. We hear a little bit more about the Uncivil's background. And it seems like the Uncivil has gotten where she is by kind of kind of convincing people to join her, right? Like offering incentives, join up, and you get this extra arm. Uh, things like that. Build up a little army because... Apparently, people love terrifying extra appendages. But I want to talk about the first one. And what happened was the uncivil comes across this group of children, murders them, and is like, all right, what am I going to do here? I think I need someone to help me out and, like, bind all these children around me, these, these dead corpses. Uh-huh. And she finds some old dude who, like, helps her out in exchange for uh, an extra appendage. Uh, sir? <laughs> sir, can you please stand up and come to the front? I have some questions for you. Who are you? Who is this old man that's like, I see this monster coming up with this... this Set of child corpses. This grocery cart full of child corpses. <laughs> Let me strike a bargain. My guy. Luke, this is just a business person, you know? He sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. He sees a demon walking up with a cart full of dead children. Hmm, how can I make this, how can I turn a profit from this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's got... I'm not going to say huge potential because it's not definitely not like, okay. If a demon comes up to me with a pile of dead children is like, help, I need you to bind these to me. I'm like, uh, you can't do it yourself. Then no, (laughs) then you're fucking terrible. I'm not going to help you lash dead children to your body because one, if you need me, you're not that powerful. I'll just fucking kick right, you. Right, over. right. Because because when you see this, there's a, there's a couple reactions, right? One is like terror. And of course. I should probably do whatever this demon says, or I'm next. And the other, it's, it's like the fight or flight response mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if the demon is like, "Hey, I was able to murder the children. However, I need." your help binding them to me i feel like my flight response Ooh, i don't feel confident in this actually okay because i feel like i'm about to put myself in like a hero's perspective and i don't belong there Mm -hmm. right um but i think it does give you some confidence if you're like this guy this guy can't even bind some corpses to himself (laughs) Well, and, I mean, 
you look at what they're bringing to get bound to themselves. They're not bringing the greatest warriors in the land. They're not the usurper mm-hmm. who's killed the commander and taken over his body. These are these are children, right? Which, not to be grim about this, but, like, it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> there are, there are um, stronger opponents. I'll say that. It would be like if somebody came up to me with a dozen... Oh, I don't know if I want to make this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> this is... There's... There's no <laughs> there's no good way to make fun of this person for killing children. I'll say that of this demon for killing right. children. Right. It's tough. It doesn't show gotta, strength gotta, though. I'll say this. Job. It definitely doesn't show strength. Like when Anakin kills all those children, we can make this analogy. When Anakin kills okay. all those children, he doesn't look like a badass fighter. Right. He's not showing strength there. It's a it's a weakness here. It's a, right? it's a weakness. Yeah. And if I see that I'm like, I think I could take him. Like if all got, I saw of you got some character flaws. If all I saw of Anakin was him murdering a temple full of Jedi children, I'd be like, I think I could take him. <laughs> and I think I should that, I think I should take him. I think that's fair. Yeah. Here's okay, here's my other question with this. Yeah. And this might be this might be a question for our author, Peter Newman. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that people want a bunch of gross extra appendages, right? Well, because this seems to be the bargain that everyone is making. I mean, we've we've like, already seen a few freaks, right? We've seen head hand guy. Yeah, it it could all just be sexual things. It could all be sexual things. And that's a that's a big motivator, I guess. Which like. No shade. If you're a freak, we're all a little freaky, you know? But uh, maybe don't make a deal with a demon in order to satisfy your fetish. Right. Maybe don't build a, like, human farm to satisfy your fetish. Right. Right. Maybe don't. I just don't know. I mean, it seems to have worked out for the uncivil. I just don't know. It seems to have worked out very well for the uncivil. Right. But like, this is one of those things that's a surprise, right? Where it's like, man, I should have invested early in the uncivil because stock is through the roof. But like, you never would have because no one would have thought that that would work. Mm -mm. Right? No. If the uncivil came to you to to a board meeting and pitched this idea of getting people to join them because they want a tentacle sprouting out of their belly button, you'd be like, that's absurd. Get out of my office. You're dripping child blood on the carpet. Get out. And now you're looking at him like, hey, I'd like to buy stock in your company. And the uncivil's like, no, I'm going to take your leg. Get out. <laughs> exactly. Hop out of my office, fool. This is, the, this is exactly what's happening here. It's absurd. It's so absurd. Speaking of absurd, we get in this section the vagrant and harm meet a seraph knight. They meet Fia or Fia, who has a mission for them 
to go rescue one of their spies. And Fia's talking to the vagrant and Vesper starts, I think, crying. And Fia, like, pinches the baby and tells it to stop. Fia's never seen a baby, right? There's there's no way Fia has ever interacted with a small human child before ever. Right. Because she, I think she's trying to do it because she's like, they need to learn like discipline. It's like you, hold on, dis. You get this as a baby, right? This is a, this is a baby. Like they don't know words, and you just try to explain to them why they need to stop crying. Yeah, it's not, it's not what I would say is a good parenting technique. Granted, I don't have a kid. Yeah, but Luke, I feel like it's pretty pretty easy to know if you pinch a baby, they're not going to stop crying. I, I, w- I, would, I would agree there. I feel like she's punishing this baby. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? Yeah, like, you can't do that. <laughs> I, <laughs> this is where... So she's like a representative of the Empire. Mm-hmm. We think. It seems like, the, yeah, yeah. I have some, I, I do have some questions because there's some suspicious stuff going on with her. But if we assume that she's from the Empire, it, I kind of got the sense that that's kind of the way that they are, which like, that's not a good sign. It's a terrible sign, Luke. And I think harm kind of lays... Harm kind of roasts her a little bit when he realizes why she's sending the vagrant to go rescue this spy because it's her lover when really like the big mission is to save the sword and she's kind of jeopardizing that. I feel like Harm needs to pinch the fuck out of this Seraph Knight because she's getting pissed at a baby for crying and not having discipline and she's jeopardizing like potentially the whole empire because this sword is probably incredibly useful to save her lover. Right. And you're pinching a baby for crying. Are you kidding me? The hypocrisy is insane. It's a, there's some hypocrisy at play. Yes. We're we're not team Fia or Fia. I will say that. If all the Seraph knights are like Fia, I'm done. I'm telling, I'm, I'm thinking the Vagrant should just jump into the fucking ocean if all the Seraph Knights are like Fia. Yeah, you don't want it to be that way. Um, I don't know. I have some questions about her that maybe we'll find answers to later. Like, she seems a little sketchy. First off, because like you mentioned, she basically set uh, puts the whole mission at risk. And then... The scene where they're separating, right? Where the vagrant decides not to go with and the sword kind of does some weird thing where it like doesn't really like her. I'm not totally sure how that works. Like maybe it's just like, no, I, the sword is bonded to the vagrant or something. But the sword also kind of does this move when it's close to someone that's corrupted. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it did the same thing, right? But the sword does something when it's near people that are, let's say, on the 
on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does something when Fi is there. And that's why she gives the sword back to the vagrant. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little... I'm a little hesitant to put her as a like complete agent of the empire, but we'll see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm for sure with you, but we also don't really know much about the empire, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the empire could be just terrible. They could be bad. Could be. Uh, Also, we've gotten a few hints that the Seraph Knights are not like normal people because Attica, the person that trains the two squires in the flashbacks, he dies, but in a very strange way. Like his they meant he mentions that he's only got a limited amount of time left in this part of the world. And he's like he's like draining away. It sounds almost like a similar mechanic to the demons, where they can't be too far away from the breach. Maybe there's like another I don't know, like like a heaven breach. You know, if there's like a hell breach <laughs> happening, maybe there's a heaven breach over in the Empire. That's where the Seraph Knights get their power from. Right, right. Could be. I could see it. Because I, I just... Because there is something kind of weird about, about Attica's situation. Right. He doesn't die of old age. He just kind of wastes away. Yeah. Which is a weird... It's a weird thing to do. It's, a, it's an interesting choice. It's a weird choice, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. Could be it be it would be cool to see like uh like you mentioned a a a breach for the quote-unquote good guys. Right? Like it's like it's a football field with two end zones. Right, right. They're kind of more evenly matched at that point. Mhm. Let's keep let's keep an eye on that. Um, I have a question. Okay. Why are the farms just shitty now? The the farms that are in the six circles or the farms that are like in the demon no, 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 territory? No. In the demon territory. I mean, is it just because of the like the taint running around ruining everything? I think that's what it is because I don't think that the demons need to eat. Oh, you might be right about that. I don't think the demons need to eat. So I think it doesn't really, they don't really care that much if the farms do poorly. The uncivil seems like probably cares a little bit if the farms are at least somewhat productive. But I feel like the usurper doesn't, doesn't care at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, um, I just think the demons don't need to eat. Okay. Okay. One thing that I think you mentioned last episode is that we need to we're, we need to hesitate to make sure that the vagrant is actually a good person i get the sense that he is a good person now okay um, all right luke because he he keeps giving away these coins to people when he doesn't when like luke what happens when to it would these be people? advantageous for him not to i'll say what happens to the people he gives a coin to Ooh. okay let's think so the first lady that I'm thinking of is Harm takes all of her food and then he tosses, the vagrant tosses a coin to her and like the hammer, I don't remember if the hammer kills the lady I'm and takes the coin. I'm pretty sure the hammer the kills the lady and takes the coin. Okay. And then the next one that I'm thinking of is when 
the hammer and harm basically like meet up with these traders that took their goat and take a little bit extra uh-huh and the vagrant gives them a coin did something bad happen to them i don't remember hmm well the hammer that walks loves these coins and she already killed somebody for them <laughs> okay so, I mean, we don't see those traitors ever again. <laughs> so are you, are you, are you staying with the idea that the vagrant might not be a good person? I just think, okay, no, I think this is, this is, I can't stand by this. <laughs> vagrant, <laughs> I was going to say. Vagrant's a good dude, I think. Um, I, I do think... If harm wasn't with him, you could justify his motives as trying to sell people. Because if we consider mm. people as valuable monetarily in this world, the vagrant is not freeing people, he's stealing. Oh, I see what you mean. Like when he goes into the, I don't remember what they called it, like the body pit or whatever it was and freeze all those people that's a lot of capital he's just liberated for himself <laughs> okay i think i think we're getting off the trail here a little bit <laughs> um, all right no i i do think vagrant is a vagrant's a good guy yeah 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 uh, luke i also have a question what does a goat eat? Mm. Is it fish? Because I don't think it's fish. I feel like normally it's just grass. Yeah. But the goat... But I guess... the I guess they can eat other stuff? Okay. They can for sure eat other stuff, right? That's like, sure. <laughs> Maybe a goat can eat fish. But when they're on the raft, the goat looks into the water sees a fish and thinks, oh, I'd love to bite that. And like tips the raft trying to bite a fish in the water. Right. Like the, the, the goat has kind of turned into a hunter here. Right. Is this not a goat? So when, so we're thinking of a four hoofed, two horned goat. When, right, the kind that you do yoga with. The kind that you, the baby kind that you do yoga with. Yeah. Do, like, does this thing have fangs or something that we missed at the beginning? So, so this is a this is a another one of <laughs> like last episode where we don't know much about goats. <laughs> I feel like they're not hunters, right? I I don't think of them as hunters. I'll say that. So I I know what you mean. Like, it does seem weird. But, like, gray milk, hunting fish. Did the vagrant find, like, a tiger and be like, oh, we got a goat. Nice. Well, maybe. So, you know how, like, dogs have different levels of prey drive? Maybe just, like, most of the goats that we've interacted with are very low on that spectrum. The but there's, like, a goat here and there. That when it sees a bunny hopping along, takes off. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. I don't I don't feel confident in that, but I can't rule it out. Luke, the <laughs> the goats are the prey, okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is wild. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with this goat though. I think it's crazy. I will say I the the scenes with the goat are good for me because it it turns the book into a little bit of a comedy. We love you know? the goat. I have this note that I just love the goat so much. The last scene where the goat is fighting a demonic goose is incredible. Yep. I love I was going to say that scene, the perspective and the 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 way that those scenes are written are very good. Very funny. Um Kind of the same way with the baby, Vesper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe not quite to that extent, but just the perspectives used are, I think, very good and very amusing. Right, and the way that and the there, world it's, it's, is described from those perspectives yeah. is very good. Yeah. Um, we, so we, we love the goat. <laughs> so let's talk about these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And so there's, after Attica dies, there's the two squires. Okay, I took, I took a weird way to wait, say this, but we hear a little bit more about the rite of mercy that we've heard a couple of times in this book. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it sounds right? like the really inconvenient. The rite of mercy is so inconvenient. Right. Where it's like, these two, these two squires take care of one demon and all of the villagers are like all right you're in charge of us now (laughs) and they're like no we have to go do other stuff like we're on i guess they they're on an incredibly important mission and these villagers are like yeah but demons keep coming around and they're really (laughs) scary so all we have to do is say these words we don't have to risk anything and we keep you all here with us it doesn't seem very well thought out. They're neat. You know, like it's very noble. Sure. This system. But when it comes to being used, like, no, I'm not honoring that. <laughs> There's no give and take, right? Right. It's like, I have to do this for you because you've said the magic words. And that's it. Like, I don't get anything out of this bargain. You're Well, like, what's the line? You know what I mean? Like, what if I'm a villager over here and I need and I need help to 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 do a callback if I've got a day job and I'm like, I need to keep an eye on my bread that I've got rising, but I won't be there. I invoke the right of mercy for this soldier over here to come knead my dough at three hour intervals because I can't. Where's the like, obviously not. But where's the line? You know, when can you say no? I have no idea, Luke. I have no idea. And, you know, when it's a cool thing, you look honorable, right? Mm -hmm. When it's like, protect our village, okay, that's got some honor to it. But at a certain point, you're not. You're just a servant, right? At a certain point, it's like, hey, I need you to muck out the pig pen. (laughs) I invoked the right, yeah, 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 I invoked the right of mercy, get in there. Here, (laughs) don't get your sword dirty. There's no honor in that. Right. Right. 
We need some rules, guys. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe Sir Attica didn't tell them the rules. Right. Like, Sir Attica has one of those little pocket constitutions that really explains the right of mercy, but they don't, they don't have it. Right? They don't know about it. So when, when some random villager tries to invoke it, they can't, like, pull out the rule book and be like, no, this only works on Tuesdays afternoon because of this. And they've got, they just got to do it, I guess. Right, right. And this also applies to something we see earlier in the book. Because I think this is a safe assumption. The Vagrant is one of the two squires. That's what I'm assuming as well. And the Vagrant is not the squire known as Vesper. Okay. So the Vagrant is one of these people that doesn't know the rules of the Rite of Mercy. And so that boy at the very beginning who's like, oh, I can get out of this cage. I invoke the Rite of Mercy. The Vagrant's like, oh, dude, dang, I've got to do this. Right, because the, the the two squires were, like, from a village, right? Yeah, yeah. So they have this understanding of the right of mercy that the villagers do. Yeah. Okay, well, actually, the squires aren't from the village that they were interacting with while they were in the cave. Their village was right, destroyed. they're from a different village. Yeah. Yeah. It's also telling that nobody invokes the right of mercy when all those people were freed from the meat hooks and there's a Seraph Knight who's getting away with every other Seraph Knight, and none of those people mm -hmm. try this Rite of Mercy bullshit. And I think it's because they all know what the rules are, and they're like, oh, yeah, this would never fly. We can't, we can't do this. Yeah. Because, like, if I'm starving and somebody's got a boat that they're taking off with and I have magic words I can say that will get them to help me, yeah, I'm going down on one knee. Give me that Rite of Mercy, Seraph Knight. You got to. Okay. So, just because we mentioned it last episode, we finally got our wall. Looks like it was working out <laughs> real well for him. It was. Uh, until it wasn't. So, maybe not such a good idea. Well, but I mean, it worked for a while. It sounds like it worked for a while. It also sounds like... It was just way too big to properly man. Like, they took a little boat around the outside, and it was no issue at all. Okay. Right. So, who are you really stopping with this, then? Like, sure, you're stopping an army. Okay. But you have to use flamethrowers from the top of it. Otherwise, it doesn't actually work. So, you have to man people along this whole border. It just it doesn't seem practical, Luke. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So... Right. Yeah, like it, it was it was tough. You needed more people. Um, it runs on batteries. It sounds like a huge resource sink. <laughs> yeah, it was it was I like how the the commander guy gets like pulled in by the uncivil and is like, all right, you know how to do this kind of thing. Help us out. And the commander's like, oh, yeah, got you. Uh, send more people. Just like, really attack it. Really attack it good. Yeah, his That's strategy... Not, like, it worked. Sure. But I'm not... I don't want to give you credit for that. Because that was just... 
I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. What did you need? You didn't need any additional knowledge for that to work, right? It was just like, oh, throw everybody at it and it'll work. Although I guess maybe before he came along, they didn't know that it was like a battery powered thing that they could run out. That's true. Do they not have boats it doesn't seem like they have boats. I feel like there might be some problem with them and water. We haven't seen Could that be. yet. We've got no evidence of that yet. But there's no... They haven't mentioned them being know, on any though, boats. I don't know, though, because the hammer theoretically would have the same issues, right? Well, the hammer is just a, like a half-tainted. The hammer has like is a human. Right. And I okay. guess the armies of the uncivil are kind of the same, the same deal. So I guess that's that's a moot point. Yeah. Why isn't the uncivil it's, giving it's, people like a dolphin tail and telling them to swim through the ocean? It seems like the uncivil is really good at like bargaining, great salesmen, mm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But not a good tactician, right? Mm. This is a politician we're dealing with, right? Right. This, the, the uncivil knows people, but she doesn't know strategy other stuff (laughs) not a lot of other stuff yeah luke i want to come back to a theory that i mentioned last episode and this is a theory about the green revolution that's happening that's motivating this demonic Mm -hmm. incursion Mm -hmm. it would seem like we get a little counter example to that because the uncivil runs wonderland and slake and as they're approaching slake there are towers coming up belching black smoke into the atmosphere and it seems like oh no the uncivil is contributing to pollution greenhouse gas emissions Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. doesn't seem very green no it does not to that i'd say you're right and what does the commander of the knights of jade and ash want to do to the uncivil because of this rebellion so you so you're thinking that the usurper has this goal but the uncivil does not. Yeah, the uncivil is in rebellion against this green revolution. They've seen what the people okay. can do using fossil fuels and disregarding the environment and the uncivil has taken The uncivil is like think of the profits. Yeah, the uncivil has been tainted by humanity. Ooh. Yeah. And the usurper is like, no, we got to have a pure revolution. Get them out of here. We're not going to transition the, using natural gas, uncivil. Okay. We're jumping right to solar and wind. We're jumping right to soul power. A... Ooh. Soul and solar. Ooh. That's the slogan. It's the slogan. I think that's a good point. Um, and would and would help explain the little the little rivalry between the two. Um, I ha- I also have one last note, and that's this the last flashback to the two squires, the scene where the one that I'm assuming is the vagrant, like weeds the hot girl's garden, <laughs> and the other Vesper, the more eloquent one, will say, uh is 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 kind of uh courting this lady and tells the other squire like no 
you you did this good thing i'll i'll step aside that kind of thing am i the only one that has a bad feeling about this i actually had a good feeling about this i mean it felt it felt good to see vesper like theoretically be the good person here but i just i'm uneasy well i mean you know yeah, Luke, a baby comes into this at some point. Ooh, why did I not make that connection? There's a baby that comes from somewhere. From somewhere. And so... And Vesper's no longer with us. There's got to be something. Okay. There's something is there's going on there. Some little drama that we might hear about here in the coming chapters. But I, I felt good about it initially because I thought there was going to be a conflict between the two of them. Like, I saw her first, da-da-da. And so I was like, oh, but it seems like they're good. They're good bros. It seems like they're really good friends. It does. We'll see if that holds true. We'll see if it holds true. I'd also be interested to see in how this whole singing thing works. Um. Oh, shoot. Luke, I just remembered I actually have a theory about this. This will be quick because there's no evidence for okay. it yet. Okay. The vagrant doesn't talk. Okay. It's not that we have not been given a reason why the Vagrant cannot talk. The Vagrant doesn't talk. The swords are activated when you sing. You can sing and cause a laser to shoot out of the sword. In order to sing, you've got to make like sound come out your mouth hole. And so I think if you can sing, you can probably also talk. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the sword the Vagrant has is so powerful, any word he says causes a laser beam to shoot out of it. Ooh. This sword... So you think that the Vagrant can talk? If if we have a scene where the sword is lost, let's say, the Vagrant's going to start talking. Well, I think it's so powerful it doesn't even have to be t- like in his hand. Because mm-hmm. when you sing or when you talk, it like reverberates in the air and the sword it says like picks up on that frequency like it matches the frequency and that causes it to shoot the laser because there have been a few times where the vagrant doesn't have the sword the sword's mm-hmm. on the goat or or something else um and so i think it's just it's just that the sword would shoot out a laser if he said anything yeah okay okay could be i do i mean i i do agree with you that we need that that we need to make sure we say that the vagrant does not talk, not that he can't talk. Right. Also, keep an eye on that. Also, it's a good thing that the vagrant meets up with somebody that can talk. Otherwise, this baby is never learning to talk. Right. That was key. Um, Harm has been kind of the MVP here. Dad of the year for sure. Oh yeah. Co- well, vagrant's up there though. Vagrant, okay, yeah. They're they're doing a good job co Co-dads of the year. Yeah, co-dads of the year for Parents sure. Parents of the year. Yeah. All right, Luke, that's, that's all I've got for today. Did you have anything else? Yep, that's it. Stay tuned next week as we finish up the Vagrant. Send us any comments you have. We'll mention them at some point in the show. And get ready. We've already announced get ready for the next book in the Red Rising series. That is Golden Sun for uh, our next book that we're going to be reading. So pick that up if you haven't. If you haven't read the first Red Rising book, 
definitely read that because it's excellent. Um, and we did a series on that as well. So get into that. But uh, stay tuned. Stay with us. Because next week we'll be coming back with more hot takes. Still acting like dumb nerds. Yeah.